Are you listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform where you can leave a rate or review? Do you like what we're doing? If the answer to all of that is yes, please consider quickly giving us a five-star rate. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice review, we greatly appreciate that as well. Okay, let's do this. Hello, welcome to the Ghost of Harren Hall. My name's Simon. And I'm McKelly. Thank you for joining us for episode 64 of our chapter-by-chapter chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire by George Martin. Today we're discussing chapter 63 of A Game of Thrones. That's Catelyn 10. As always, we're going to chat about the chapter and try not to spoil any future plot points for you. And hopefully, we'll provide you with some entertainment along the way. We'll summarize what's happened, discuss our thoughts on it, provide some useful background, compare it to the TV show, indulge in a little pedantry, and cover some reader mail. Be sure to check out the show notes. They'll provide some additional information, which will be particularly helpful if you're not reading along with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm all right. I'm, I'm, I might be losing it a little bit. Just, <laughs> I mean... I've kept a little it bit together. more than normal. <laughs> yeah, I've kept it together for, for what, seven months now? But, yeah. Oh, I'm you, ready to do family side. You, you need another trip to the mountains. You guys had a good time when you went to the mountains, right? We did, yeah. Uh, we, we go tomorrow. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's why we it was urgent that we record today. <laughs> we, yes, exactly. Well, we're, we're, that's, that's we're down we're a man. Uh, uh, not, a, not an actual man, but we're down a mic. <laughs> Uh, oh yes. So, uh, hopefully, my I, I sound okay. Our um, our Yeti mic stopped working suddenly, and we didn't have enough time to replace it. So, um, and, and we needed to record today because, as Simon just mentioned, he's going out of town tomorrow. So I'm just using an old headset here. So hopefully, fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> hopefully, you could hear me. <laughs> just. I mean, you sound terrible to me but that's probably my headphones so. <laughs> it's got to be that yeah i'm sure i'll sound great on the actual recording uh so, we, we shall Ma- are, are you going to eulogize the yeti mic in the background i uh i posted a picture of it on uh, facebook earlier today uh, and said we're we're playing hurt our uh, trusty <laughs> mic was not so trusty all of a sudden hey on, on that subject i noticed that your steamer is a six and oh yeah i had mentioned that, that on the podcast because i didn't want to jinx them so now great now look what you did (laughs) (laughs) i on the other hand took malicious glee (laughs) Uh, so molly and i had a had a question for you okay see how it says english accent on there i saw english accent in the notes yes so she you know she does the um the actor thing and uh she was submitted for um the lead in a in a film where the main character uh has a slight english accent because her mother was english she is she's lived her whole life in america and i wondered is does that happen does lucas have a bit of an english accent i've never noticed it on him um what you're telling me is there's budget for a voice coach (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm hearing (laughs) i was just wondering you know like i was like well lucas is the product of one english accented parent but i've never noticed an english accent on him um it what you what you will find i i do have first-hand experience of this is that when they're small and they interact only with their parents 
they yeah. will have a, a semi-English accent. Okay. And as they grow up and go to school, it will fade. Yes. And okay. that has happened. He, he is still capable and occasionally slips into the odd English word. The, the quintessential example being water. Oh, he says water. Water. With a T. Which is, coincidentally, how it's spelled. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> FYI. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Because Somali was like, well, how would I only do a partial English accent? I was like, it would just be like every now and then a word, a certain word or sound would come out with the British accent. I, t- I tell you what, I think she'll impress them if she says water occasionally. Just, water. just drops right. that in. <laughs> and then maybe maybe mummy and daddy. Mummy and daddy. Okay. Mummy and daddy. That, that would probably be enough. That's enough of a spattering of it. Right. To yes. make it seem like... She doesn't need to sound like then, Mary Poppins. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Which is, which is pretty much where American actors go. Right, yes, they, immediately. They go the Dick Van Dyke route. <laughs> <laughs> Good day, governor. <laughs> Up the apples and pears. All right, um, I got nothing. I liked, I liked the way you did the toilet stories, by the way. In the last yeah. Episode. I thought that, it worked very well. That was the swan song of the mic. I was like, it was just working. I just recorded that little bit at the end of last episode. If you don't, if you didn't make it till the uh, end of last episode... Um, we split the toilet story. Remember, Simon said, I've got two toilet stories for you. I guess this is two episodes ago now, right? Probably two episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, Simon had two toilet stories, but you may have noticed there was only one toilet story mentioned. At the very end of the episode, I, I have a, a little piece where I came back on and said, uh, the second toilet story was too long. It is after the music. So if you didn't Simon's wait around too long, after the music... Too long on the toilet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. All right. Anything else interesting in your life? Seriously, no. Okay then. All right. Let's All right. get down to business. Let's do I, it. I've actually I've actually lost the notes. So I need to. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's pull the notes up, then get down to business. <laughs> <laughs> let's get down to business with a quick recap of what Catelyn was up to last time we saw her. Last we saw her, she was charming Walder Frey into joining the Tully. Su- There's a funny typo there. Last time we saw Catelyn. <laughs> She was charming Walder Frey into joining the Tully Stark side of the burgeoning conflict. His significant forces boost the Northern Host, and his willingness to allow them to cross the Green Fork means that Rob's trap can now be sprung. The army he sent down the King's Road has done its job, luring Tywin into a strategically poor location for his army, but now it's the turn of Rob's forces to break the siege at Riverrun. Why don't we give him the summary? Let's do it. Rob's army has hidden themselves in a forest south of the Blue Fork River. Kat surveys the scene. She's ensconced among her bodyguards as they await the coming battle. Rob wanted 50, she wanted 10. They compromised at 30, as far as the uh, bodyguards go. The whole scene is quiet and pensive. The army is not blundering into battle. They've instead laid an ambush. Brendan Blackfish Tully has been in charge of reconnaissance, and he's absolutely certain that Jamie does not know that they are here. Every raven has been felled, and every outrider has failed to report back. Jamie has 12,000 men, but besieging Riverrun is complicated by the rivers. Brendan has been sending men in groups, made to appear like displaced Riverland knights, to pester Jamie's forces. Jamie's a man of action, and he does not redouble his guard or entrench. He always responds by saddling up and chasing after his tormentors. Thus, a plan is hatched. 
In the meantime, Kat thinks of times she's been made to wait. Her father always told her to watch for him when he left the castle. Brandon Stark had her wait, but he never came back. She waited nearly a year for Ned to return from war soon after their wedding. Now she waits again, this time for Rob and Jamie Lannister. For Lannister to ride into their trap, and for Rob to lead the ambush when he does. Rob's army has grown since leaving the twins. Jason Malister has brought his forces to the party, and they've collected knights and men-at-arms who survived the battle at River Run and fled north. Kat isn't the only Stark with an honor guard. She insisted that Rob too be surrounded by loyal men and women to increase his chances of surviving the battle. As Kat ponders the presence of Snowshrikes, a bird primarily seen in the north, she sees the Kingslayer and his men ride into the trap. Blasts of war horns explode around the forest, followed by Grey Wind's howl, signifying that the northern troops are ready to spring their trap. The silence of the forest explodes in screams and shouts as northern archers loose arrows at the unsuspecting Lannister troops. Unable to see the fighting, she closes her eyes and listens to the sounds of the battle. More screams, shouts, and clashes of metal on metal. Eventually, Rob returns to her, his arms covered in blood, but it was the blood of one of his guards. Theon Greyjoy and Great John Umber drag Jamie Lannister between them, dumping him at her feet. We learn that, when it was clear the battle was lost, Jamie and his retainers cut a path through the Northmen, attempting to reach Rob. His guard stopped the charge, but at an awful cost. Cat reminds the men that they might have won the battle, but the war is far from over. Tywin and his army are still out there, and a formidable army still surrounds Riverrun. I really like this chapter. It... I did too. I think maybe you liked it more than I did, but I liked it as well. I think I liked it more than the last chapter. It's funny, it's funny, after all this time, we've had two battles in consecutive chapters. Yeah, we've had three, really, if you think about it, because the chapter... With Danny was also post battle. It wasn't during battle, you know. It was a, it was the aftermath of the battle, but it, um, no, a, a battle still took place. Yeah, yeah. What was the sequence? Was it Tyrion then Daenerys then this, or was it Daenerys then Tyrion then this? Yeah, you'd think we'd know that off the top of our heads, yeah. wouldn't you? <laughs> the problem is, is, the problem I have is that I record one and then listen to the other, and then they yeah. get mixed up in my head. Really. It went Danny Tyrion Cat. Yeah, so, so yeah, the, the amount of fighting has been ramping up. Yes. But yeah, I, I like his way of handling this one better, I have to say. I, I think... agree, yes. it's it was all, At times it felt almost like it, this chapter was a poem. You know, it was very poetic, poetically written. There was a lot of, uh, for a lot of metaphors and, you know, uh, it, was, it was, I enjoyed it much more than the, Tyrion battle where you know it was like hacking him here and hacking him there and fighting this guy and that guy and of course Kat was the POV character and she wasn't a that's, participant in the battle yes that's exactly what I was going to say it gives you the chance to sort of take the sort of like the detached perspective of the battle which you couldn't really do with Tyrion exactly yes it, yeah. I, I found it almost a little bit eerie and spooky which fits well for a episode we're recording the week of mm. Halloween why do you think I'm getting out of town? It's to avoid trick-or-treaters. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Will they avoid your house with their eggs and toilet paper? That's the question. But by the way, actually, I've forgotten. I did have a story. I mean, you can you can splice this back into the early part if you want. But um, Carson started back at well, Carson's been back at school as you know because she's been recording, doing video from the, chats right. from the toilet from the bathroom. <laughs> but um, the kids have come back now. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Elementary school started back. Yes. So they were, she's got four children in her class. All of them are four years old and three teachers, two TAs and one teacher. So there's three adults and four children. Pretty good numbers. So I'm like, okay. yeah. pretty good numbers and possible to keep everything socially distant. Sure. She said one of the four children kept pulling her mask down to pick her nose. <laughs> And, How else are you going to do it? <laughs> and they, of course, they have to do video lessons for the other kids. The, oh, the other right. 11 kids in the class, they have to do video lessons. And the same nose picker had a meltdown in class. And Carson had to restrain her on her lap while doing the video thing for several minutes. And during that whole time, the child's mask was pushed around to her ear. Oh! And Carson came home with a stripe of like six inch stripe of snot oh, across her shirt. Man, that's that's rough. And I'm and I'm like, you're going to catch it. This is for <laughs> oh, sure. Goodness, there's no escaping this. Oh, wow. Crazy. Yeah, that's a tough one there. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, Yeesh. you can't you can't tell a four year old that they have to socially distance. Ah, uh, yeah, four year. That's that's tough. That's pre kindergarten, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. That's yeah, what that's what I thought. Yeah, that's that's a tough one right there. So, if I don't make it through the end of the book... <laughs> I'll try to carry on me, without you. Tell me what happens. Because <laughs> I've forgotten. <laughs> I'll have to get Molly in here. Yeah, she can say water. Yeah. So, uh, one thing about... So, the, the name of the woods that they're in is called the Whispering Wood, but... They get the name from this battle. Before mm. this battle, they were just a nondescript forest in the Riverlands. It was this particular battle here that gives them the name, the Whispering Wood. Because the Stark forces were whispering as they sprung the trap, is that? Yeah, because, well, I mean, yeah, I guess you know how Cat was constantly talking about, like, the, whis the whisper noises like throughout the chapter it kept talking about the quietness and the whispering and and then i really like the line that said the, i think it was like the whispering wood let out its breath all at once when the arrows uh, when they let the arrows fly yeah so i guess the the general ambush aspect of being quiet and yeah. hushed tones yeah. is where it got its name from and also so the lands of ice and fire which is a book places this forest between river run and old stones west of fair market and south of the blue fork of the trident now the non-canon game of thrones map places it south of the blue fork and north of raven tree which is slightly different location but uh, hmm. i i would tend to go with um lands of ice and fire as that was uh George you got Martin. me interested now i've got i've gone off to look actually and it was, uh, yeah. they chose this location because it was a good place for Brendan Blackfish Tully to draw Jamie's um, forces out to for the ambush. So that's why they picked this right, particular yeah, forest. Yeah. Certainly from, from the non-canonical map, it seems like, yeah, that's the, if, if you actually had people who were pestering Jamie's forces, they would be living in the Whispering Wood. I mean, that's right. the convenient place. <laughs> yeah, makes sense, I guess. A, a wood, not open ground, and B, handy, you know, yeah. close by. Uh, 
So river runs sits at the confluence of two rivers, so it's so it's a Y shape. The two rivers come together and then they go off as one river, right? Uh, rather like as we mentioned earlier, Pittsburgh. I think of Pittsburgh. <laughs> yes, exactly. The confluence yeah. Yeah. of the Monongahela exactly. and the Allegheny, making the Ohio. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, so they, they both changed names at that point. They, yes, neither of them. Yeah, um, the Allegheny we, comes from the north. Monongahela comes from the south. They meet at the point in Pittsburgh, uh, and they become the Ohio River. But it's different for which which I think the Ohio River is quite long. It goes on for like miles and miles. It meanders all over many states. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it eventually makes it to the Mississippi, if I'm not mistaken. That's yeah, that's right. I followed its course once, and I was like, that river is just crazy all over the place. <laughs> exactly. I, I've walked home from the pub in that line. <laughs> <laughs> But but so the rivers that come to River Run are the Tumblestone and the Red Fork, and they leave River Run as the Red Fork. Yeah. So I, I would guess it's because the Red Fork is probably much larger than the Tumblestone, maybe. Maybe. Because maybe. the Monongahela and the Allegheny are similar in size, so I you know. see. I see. Yeah. So um, because of this, the the the, the cross the the actual bridges across these three rivers are all within the confines of River. Yeah, right. And therefore, the, that's why Brendan Tully said that you have to besiege it by splitting your forces into three, because you need a force in each of the three zones, because you can't easily cross the rivers. They are not crossable there, not easily anyway. Right. And so, because the crossings are within Riverrun, which you are besieging. Exactly. The people inside Riverrun can cross them back and all <laughs> they want. Which it's it's if like you only, the twins. If you only, <laughs> only you got two rivers yes. you can play with. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But but of course, if you could, if you only have enough forces to besiege a river on two sides, then they can keep reinforcing and uh, getting uh, supplies through the third side. So right. that means river is 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 hard to besiege for that reason. Exactly. Which is why you need a force of around twelve thousand men. Because if you if you had like three thousand, you'd only have a thousand in each zone, and they could come out and destroy that one third of your Yes, army. exactly. So so much of this chapter is cat reminiscing about past events and, and worrying about the near future. Right. Uh, she did get she did give us a couple of tidbits that we didn't know previously. I think I think we didn't know this, but again this could be just be me. She only had two weeks after marrying Ned before he went back off to war. I will I, say... I didn't realize I, that. Yeah, I, I will say I learned that as well in this chapter. So. Right, okay, okay. So we knew he got... We knew they married during Robert's Rebellion, but we didn't know very much about the, the, the timing of it. And in that two weeks, he impregnated her with Rob. Right. That's where Rob came from. Um, so, question here. And then, she, then he left for a year. Yes. So when he came back, Rob was already born, and he also had a child under his arm, <laughs> young, young Master Snow. Yes. <laughs> and that made me wonder, Rob is older than John, at least that's the way it's portrayed, right? Yeah, I mean, as as far as we're to believe, he fathered Rob before he went off to war. He fathered John while he was off at war. So we don't know how much older, I guess... Uh, Ned would know how much older Rob right. is than John. So let's do a little bit of that here. You do that part. When he got back a year later, John would have been about, sorry, Rob would have been about three months old. Something like that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
Near, Give or take. I mean, assuming, yeah. assuming he's the father. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would have been about three months old. Yes. So, if, I mean, how, he must have been quick off the mark, is all I'm saying. To come back <laughs> with a baby. With another baby. <laughs> right. And especially, especially if we're talking about Starfall, which is at the other end of the continent. Yeah. Good point. He went all the way down there, impregnated her, got back to the war. I mean, right. was this his, this gestation his period requires nine, at least, <laughs> exactly. at least six to seven months. You know, I guess a and, premature birth could have happened, but, uh, yeah, so I yes, see the math you've, you got there. Yes. I'm, I'm wondering about this. Feels like this baby must have been, the, the, it makes me doubt Ashara Day. She just is too far away. I mean, she's like a month's ride away. Yeah. So a month's hard ride. Quick, and then, <laughs> and then I'll see you back here in ten months. <laughs> yeah, the news of your brother's death. Right. Yeah, you're right. That's uh, there, there's a lot to uh, think about there. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't know. I mean, you know, Cat thinks it's Ashara, but he's Ned says it's a, was a lady named Willa. So right. And it feels to me like Willa must have been from somewhere north of the neck, frankly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he barely got out of River Run. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, like, he, okay, not to dwell on the sex, but he's just had sex. This much I know for a fact. And he gets like half a day down the road. And he's like, you know what? <laughs> you know what I could do with <laughs> This does not sound like the Ned Stark we know. Exactly. It really, you know, I think that's part of the uh, the whole issue that he feels such shame about. So then, the someone... question to me is: Is John actually older? Did he come back to get married to Cat, uh, having already? Oh, interesting conspiracy theory. I like uh-huh. that. Is any anybody out there listening? What do you think about that? Let us know. The, I like that. The one thing I would say is it would have been perfectly apparent because babies change so rapidly in those first few months. Yeah. yeah. So if he was four or five months old, Cat would not have thought, mm, here's my older child. Right. She, she, like, she would have That's thought. That's a pretty big premature baby right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're telling like, me that thing's only a month old? <laughs> Maybe this is the the source of her animosity towards Jon Snow. She knows that he's older. Oh, maybe. Wow, you're just dropping all kinds of conspiracy theories here. None of this is in the notes, is it? This is just... <laughs> yeah. We're just riffing here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so oh, there's one line where she sees Rob on a... She, Rob looks like a tall knight on the horse, but all she sees is the baby that he once was. And I think every parent can relate to seeing their uh, growing son and, and think about uh, how you just basically still see that baby. And the fact the the fear of them going off to war is just terrifying. Like I, I can, I've, I, I remember watching, sitting in this room I'm in right now, watching the movie Hacksaw Ridge, which is about a battle in World War Two, And, at the time my son was about 17 or 18 and it terrified me the idea of him being in that position so i i feel her uh her pain and her fear there 
Coincidentally, I'm thinking of packing my son off to military school. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we we also made that uh, made that claim to Ethan many a time. <laughs> <laughs> I got a text from Carson yesterday saying he currently he's got two A's and two other grades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, way to spin it. <laughs> so. Rob takes Brendan Blackfish Tully's word that Jamie's restless and will blindly pursue his harass harassers. And basically, this is, this is good tactics. Uh, Blackfish has been sending small forces to see what he will do in response to a raid. And each time Jamie has led the charge after them and chased them down. Yeah. Hopefully they got away. Hopefully he wasn't just like sacrificing these guys. Um, and so now this this is how they're able to spring the trap. They're like, okay, now we know what the response will be. All we have to do is send a big enough force that he sends a decent sized force and lure him to this spot. And uh, yeah. it works perfectly. Yep. It is a bit of a gamble. I mean, he's gambling that Brendan Tully's information is correct. If if he's wrong and uh, they know that they're there, you know, that, that could go disastrously for them. But uh, it's kind of kind of reminded me of like when he put all of his eggs in the phrase letting us cross at the twins basket. You know, he, he rolled the dice there and it worked out. And both times he doesn't really have a backup plan. So, you know, I wondered if maybe he's he's just like a war strategy prodigy, or maybe it's just beginner's luck that is at some mm-hmm. point destined to run out. I, I think I think there was good reason to uh, trust. Uh, Brendan Tully, he's proven himself. He's well respected as uh-huh. a yeah. military guy. So sending him out with three hundred men as the outriders of this army seemed like a good idea. I will say though, if Brendan Tully's uh, reputation has been forged at the bloody gate, honestly, you'd have to be pretty bad to have failed in that job, yeah. given that it stood <laughs> <laughs> unassailed for thousands of years, and in the time he was in charge. Nobody tried. Nobody even tried. (laughs) (laughs) He's the best knight of the gate there's ever been. (laughs) He's zero for zero. So, but then on the flip side, so uh, Brendan Tully's uh, reputation seems to be uh, well deserved, and uh, his his intel was good here. But is Jamie all that? I mean, he's fallen (laughs) into a trap pretty pretty badly here. You know, I mean. The, the Lannister side was so on top in this war. Right. Until this moment. Yeah. This moment has really, really... It's not tipped the balance, but it's brought it a lot closer back it to has, balance. has, definitely. Because you know how fun Tywin is of Jaime, and you know how fun Cersei is of Jaime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so the reason I question his, his, his tactics here is when you set up for a long siege, the main focus of what you're doing is inwards towards the place you're besieging but your only real vulnerability is outwards for someone sneaking up behind you and uh, catching you unawares so you need to do reconnaissance you need to know about if you're going to be attacked from behind i mean sure apparently he wasn't getting much intel because they kept shooting the birds out of the sky yeah and he they kept killing the outriders that they found but even uh brendan tully said he should have been sending out more but he wasn't he should have been sending out more men, wondering why his outriders aren't coming back. 
but apparently, no, yes. <laughs> I swear I sent that guy out. <laughs> yeah. he never come back in, come back in two to sixteen days with right. information. <laughs> That's not very good planning either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Tywin can brag all he wants about Jamie and negatively compare him to Tyrion, but I, I feel like Tyrion would not have fallen for this trap as easily. I feel like he would have been more prepared to uh, yeah, to know yeah. what he's getting into before. It, and he, why is he leading his men through the woods so late at night anyway? This battle takes place, it ends in the dawn. So wouldn't they have, shouldn't they have camped somewhere? Like they're riding through the this forest in the middle of the night. I don't know. I, again, I'm no, um, I'm no battle strategist. It just feels like it's the middle of the night, camp somewhere in safety. In, in the middle of the day when you can see the surrounding areas, then you can go through the forest. We'll be right back. Hello, friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. How, how far from Riverdome do you think they are? I mean, like a couple of hours? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how quickly they, an entire army, like, well, it's not an entire army. He, he takes about... I, it doesn't really say how many men, but it doesn't uh, say. he I mean, says you get the feeling it's like five hundred to a thousand. You know, well, maybe less than that. Yeah, Cat says three fourths of the army is still coiled around River Run, which would make you think he took about a quarter of the army, which would be right. several thousand. Right, and, and also most of the people from that quadrant of the siege. Yes, if right. you think you've only got a third of the force in each quadrant. A quarter is a big piece of a third. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so speaking of that, we get some uh, reconnaissance info from Blackfish Tully. So Jamie has about 15,000 men surrounding, well, not surrounding, but around the, the three different camps at River Run. He says he's got 12,000 foot soldiers and two to 3,000 horse. And then Galbart Glover says, the Kingslayer has us outnumbered three to one. So if that's true, then Rob has about 5,000 men. So that means that more than 15,000 of the northern host went to the battle on the Green Fork, if we're to take all this as factual information, which is a bigger number than we were discussing last, uh, the previous Tyrion chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, this army also grew, um, Rob's army also grew, because Jason Malister's forces joined up with uh, this army because they were coming from Seaguard, which is just north of the Blue Fork, the, the headwaters of the Blue Fork. And they also picked up some stray soldiers who had been lost after the defeat at River Run. Uh, so maybe even more men went were in that uh, eastern side of the northern army. That yeah, went that's a good to... point. And again, I, I give credit here to the TV show because I think they, they got the balance better the 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 army that went south down the King's Road needed to be the faint. It needed to not be the majority of the force. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
which it clearly is. I mean, clearly from what you're saying, it was it was at least three times the size of the force that crossed the Green Fort. Yeah, it's much um, closer in numbers. I mean, of course, they're just using you know they they're just using uh, estimates. I'm guessing you know when he says they have us outnumbered three to one that. It might not be true, you know. And Who knows how bad Galbert Glover's math is. Right. When Kat says three-fourths of the army is still wrapped around River Run. <laughs> you know, she said she'd been to half a hundred uh, tournaments, and we called her out on that yeah, we know. We know she's lying. <laughs> so, you know, these could all just be rough estimates. But we knew that, uh, that Tywin Lannister's army had about 20,000-ish. And if they were marching down there with 15,000, it's a much closer... Much more yeah. even fight but than course, I was they, thinking it was. They didn't have the cavalry. That was the thing. It was basically the foot soldiers. Yes, it was. But yeah. that's a that's an awful big sacrifice. Yeah, it is. It, I, I, well, we we I guess we discussed this a lot last Tyrion episode, but it just does not seem like they were used right. I still yeah. I still think they were used incorrectly. Now I yeah. will say that we heard of Jason Malister. We heard his name all the way back in the uh, prologue, page three, actually, at least on my uh, Google version of the book. Um, it was his men that caught Will from the prologue, skinning a deer on Malister grounds. And then Cat and Sir Roderick came across him on the King's Road before they stopped at the oh, inn. And she didn't recognize him. He, she recognized he, him. He didn't, he recognize, didn't her. recognize her. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He was and also for that reason she felt safe to stay at the inn. Yes, precisely. Yeah. He was also he and his sons were at the Hands Tourney, and we we talked about them being one of the two Riverlands houses that weren't uh, basically conquered. conquered yeah. Yes, yeah. by the. Lannister forces. It was the Malisters and the Freys because they were much further north than the fighting had been so far. Yeah, yeah. So as as we mentioned in the summary, uh, Rob wants Cat to have an honor guard, a, a, a bodyguard. He wants to give her fifty. She wants ten. They settle on thirty. But in return, she insists that he has thirty men around him, which turns out actually to be a good idea because yes. Jamie almost got to him. Yes. <laughs> so, good thing it wasn't uh, twenty-eight. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> because there was so, there's uh, they definitely did some damage. So Torin and Eddard Karstark uh, were killed by Jamie, um, and their older brother was uh, taken as a hostage yes. in the battle. In the Tyrion chapter, uh, they were the two who were mean to uh, Bran. Exactly. Yes, they were the two. Yeah. So, I mean, we want them to win, but you know, if anyone had to go, right. Bran's mean to Bran deserved it the most. And uh, this, of course, is going to very much upset uh, Lord Rickard Karstark. And so later, when because uh, Rob... that's all three of his sons either dead or captured. Yes. Yes, and so when when they bring uh, Jamie to Cat later at the end of this chapter, and then Cat says, "Put him in irons and send him away," and Rob says, "And keep a strong uh, guard around him because Lord Karstark's going to want him dead." And then Cat asks right. why, and then this <laughs> is when she he explains wow. who all died in in this attack. Not because he's worried about Jamie escaping, but because he's worried about Lord Karstark getting to him. Yes, and they need him um, They need him alive for uh, bargaining. <laughs> oh yeah, they do. He, Jamie says to Kat when he's brought to her, he says, I would give you my sword, but I seem to miss, seem to have mislaid it. Rob later says he mislaid it in Eddard Karstark's neck. So, yeah. 
We also lose uh, Darren Hornwood in this uh, particular battle, and he was the heir of Hollis Hornwood, who died in the battle on the Green Fork, the Tyrion chapter, and he was his only son. So now there there might be a bit of a... Uh, power vacuum? Yes, power vacuum for the Hornwoods. Yeah. Those were the only members of uh, Rob's honor guard who were killed. The, the remainder were Patrick... At Mark least that we know and, of. They were the only ones uh, yes, who were mentioned that listed. were killed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the other, the other members of the honor guard who uh, we do know of, who... By 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 assumption, if we know of them and they weren't listed as dead, probably they weren't killed. Right. Yes, I yeah. agree. Look, I agree. <laughs> Patrick Malister, who is Jason Malister's son, he's the heir to Sea Guard. He's very good friends with Edna Tully, apparently. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Audible. To get a free audiobook or two if you're an Amazon Prime member, go to our exclusive URL audibletrial.com slash ghostsherrenhall. You can find the link in our show notes. Yeah, and then we've got small John Umber, not to be confused with the great John, and he is heir to Last Hearth and the son of the great John. I wonder if when the great John uh, shuffles off this mortal coil, small John might get a better name. Yeah, you know, I agree. I agree. (laughs) He definitely should. I wouldn't stick with that. At least like the big yeah. <laughs> John, maybe not great John, you know, like at least just like big John. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably not uh, a small when... guy. <laughs> no, he probably isn't. If he's, yes, yes. So uh, Wendell Manderley, um, who, if you remember, uh, came down from uh, oh, White, White Harbor. White Harbor. Right? Yes, exactly. Well, look at me. White yeah. Harbor with, uh, with Catelyn. Yeah. Um, if you remember, he was chunky and, uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> would would draw the arrows to him is the yes. hope, you know, as Bron, as Bron said last time. Yes, I'm, stay I'm, near I'm, the big guy. I'm picturing Rob like, who do I want in my group? He must have heard the same <laughs> advice that Bron was given: follow the big man into battle. He'll draw the arrows. <laughs> guy casts an awfully big shadow. I wouldn't mind being in that. And then we get Robin Flint, and we've not really met Robin Flint yet, but. Maester Lewin told Bran, and I believe it was the very last Bran chapter, that there were others waiting to join up with Rob, so he needed to get going. He needed to ride out, because there were other groups waiting to join up uh, with this army along the King's Road, and he specifically mentions Lords Manderley and Flint. So this is the Robin Flint that he was referring to. Good work. Um, and so Daisy Mormont, who's the heir to Bear Island, she is uh, Geo Mormont's niece and uh, Jorah Mormont's cousin. Um, she seems pretty bad posterior. She is. Uh, <laughs> she does. She seems like someone <laughs> who might be able to wield a Valyrian sword. Exactly. To a hot-headed. And dubious parentaged uh, <laughs> member of the Night's Watch. Yes, she's six foot tall, and she, uh, Kat says that she was given a morning star about the time that other girls were given dolls. So she's been fighting her whole life. And we were talking in that John chapter about, you know, okay, maybe there's not currently someone who, you know, has use for Longclaw. So have it now for your life, and when you get old, you give it back to House Mormont. Absolutely. But Daisy yeah. Mormont sounds like she'd be 
pretty handy she with this already sword. be using it. Exactly. Yes, and precisely. She's fighting real people, not Grumpkin the Snark. <laughs> yeah. She should have written to Uncle Gior and said, "Hey, you know that sword that's been sitting around up there? <laughs> Could I borrow it, please?" <laughs> to be fair to Gior, his the Grumpkins and Snarks came true the day before he handed that over. Yeah, so. yeah. Make, yes, you make a good so. point. Yeah. He was sitting on it thinking, I'll give this to Daisy one day. And then he was like, whoop, nope, I'm going to give it to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, no we... less than five Frey sons. Yeah, we don't get any Grey mention Joy. of who the five Freys no. are. Yeah. I mean, seriously, once you've got as many children as he does, it's just... You know, <laughs> right. You, you start numbering them. Or calling them all George Foreman, really. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, there that doesn't add up to thirty, but uh, those are the named guards yeah. that we were uh, we were made aware of. Yeah. So uh, Kelly makes a point of noticing um, the song of snow shrikes, a type of bird. Um, they are from the north, um, and as she hears them, she thinks they're coming. And it wasn't quite clear what she was thinking they're coming about. I mean, she. She may have been thinking, oh, the snow shrikes are coming, but presumably it was something less uh, obvious than that. The battle was about to start, so yes. she could be thinking of Jamie's army. Um, but it, they, I don't think they're known to be migratory, so it feels like their presence this far south is somewhat odd. And a harbinger of what? Yes, I agree. I think maybe the the fact that she saw the birds from the north in the south and she said they're coming she, when she said they're coming I, I believe she was referring to seeing the army the Lannister army come into the trap right but I think yep. it was also kind of a double entendre also supposed to be like you know things from the north are coming south right, but right. I, I have a little issue with a wiki of ice and fire here I mean I don't really but they claim that the snow shrikes live in these woods here based on this chapter but that was not how i interpreted it to me it felt like um it was a surprise that they were in those woods. yes it to me it felt like yeah. they maybe followed the path of food or something from this huge army coming south it's you know they were here because of the army's presence i don't know i don't know anything about snow shrikes and and their uh food behaviors but it seems like maybe they followed the large army and it also felt to me like a metaphor about this northern army being out of place here as well because they are all northern roots yeah the only other thing i thought about was was i, w I wondered if it was more sort of like an extra layer was she somehow intuiting that the others are coming yeah yeah maybe that somehow these birds are fleeing the winter because they said something greater coming from the north. Right. Yeah, hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I also like how Hollis Mullen has a propensity as Mr. Obvious. <laughs> I did not know that about him. I had forgotten. He, uh, he also, when Kat <laughs> says they're coming, he says they're coming, and she's like, he has a tendency to state the obvious, and when when they dump <laughs> when they dump the didn't she just say it? <laughs> she, I think she thought it, and he said. I guess it's... It. Uh, oh, I see. <laughs> and then later, when they dump the Kingslayer in front of her, uh, how Mullen goes, the Kingslayer, 
And she said, (laughs) as if that was necessary to add. (laughs) But then we get to the battle scene, and I really, I really enjoyed this battle scene. I I love how it's all done through sounds. She sees, you know, she sees Rob take off, and she can see, you know, some of the men start their journey down the hill into this battle. But then within a few minutes, the battle is out of her sight so she just closes her eyes and listens to the battle on the sounds of the battle unfolding and that would be terrifying as a parent knowing that your child is down in all that yeah she she mentions at one point she hears him clearly yeah as if he's standing next to me to me yeah Yeah. Um, and when he comes back he's on a different horse which has got to be disconcerting yes (laughs) you were quite close to the action then it would appear Yes, much like Tyrion, who who seemed to have changed horses in the uh, previous chapter. At least That's, this time, it was did, mentioned that he changed horses. <laughs> did they trade, perhaps? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so Jamie's brought in front of them. Theon urges Rob to kill Jamie, which, I mean, he may not be privy to all of the discussions, but you've got to be pretty stupid not to think that that's a stupid idea. Right, yeah. Yeah, he wants him to cut his head off. Let's kill him and yeah, send that back to King's Landing and say, and if you don't let Ned go, oh. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> we won't send the rest of him. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not the first time. If you remember back to Brand 5, he was urging Rob to call the banners before Rob was, was ready to do that. And remember, he put that arrow through... Uh, Oh shoot! Whatever I, I can't think of that guy's name anymore. The uh, uh, yeah, the guy yeah. that Look had Bran. The wild Stiv. Or... I believe Stiv. it was Stiv. He, was he Stiv. put the arrow through Stiv, and then he wanted to feed. He wanted Rob to feed Osha to the wolves, and Rob was like, "No, I'm going to take her in and question her about what's going on." So he seems to. This seems to be a trend with him to just want to rush to do something. Yeah. So the balance of power has shifted. Um, how how much? I mean, it feels like now they have the forces to break the siege at Riverrun with Jamie captive. Yeah, and yeah. if they've got if they've got fifteen thousand to Jamie's twelve thousand, and at least one third of the one of the three sides of the siege is now com- severely uh, depleted. Yeah, depleted. It feels like you could break the siege here. Um, yeah, and, and it's not just Jamie that they have as a hostage. Uh, they had a huge payday of hostages, including three Lannisters. They got two of Aemon Frey's and Jenna Lannister's sons. Cleos, he's the firstborn son. He's around mid-30ish to early 40s. And they've got Tyon Frey, and he is the third son of Aemon and Jenna. He's around 14-ish. And but but I, what I thought about that is there are many Freys in this Northern Army who would be direct like uncles and cousins of of these two of yeah. Cleus and Tyon. I wonder how they feel yeah. about that taking. Well, I mean, probably what I would do with those guys then is just like say, hey, you can't go anywhere, but you're free to just wander right. around the camp. You know, yeah, yeah, you're you're on our team now. Yeah. And it, but but we're going to send threatening letters to the Lannisters that we'll never see you again. You know? Right. <laughs> but don't worry, we won't kill you. We'll just keep you because you know you can come and live with the twins. You know? You're right. Your friends, you know. And and they also so Theon says we've got. He starts to say we've got um, the son of one of Tywin's dead brothers, 
but but he's not the son of a dead brother. He's Kevin Lannister's son. They have Willem Lannister hostage. He's the son of Kevin and Kevin Lannister and Dorna Swift. So I guess Theon was just um, wrong about that. I don't know. But he Either Theon was wrong or George Martin was wrong. Right. Maybe the editor forgot missed that as well. Yeah. But Willem Lannister is the second son of Kevin and Dorna, and he's around 11 to 13-ish, and he has a twin brother named Martin. So sons of both the Lannisters leading that other army, both Tywin and Kevin, now have sons that have been captured, plus two sons of their sister. So, you know, they, right. they, they've got some... Yeah, yeah, four of that generation is pretty impressive. That's, a, that's yeah. significant scalps. Yeah, I mean, so you think of Ned and Jamie as kind of equivalent, right? In yeah. terms of the sort of like the strength of the hostage, and then maybe uh, uh, Willem Lannister, Kevin's son, maybe at the same level as Sansa, right? Yeah, and then who else did the Lannisters have? Well, yeah, they've they got caught, they t- they they took some captives at the Battle of the Green Fork. Yeah, they yeah. did, but. But the Starks don't know that they don't have Arya. So, you know, That's true. they must think they have Arya. And they've got Edmure. So, uh, I guess Edmure... Ah, Edmure Tully. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I was forgetting. Yeah, but yeah, this is this is, this is is almost an equalizer. This is not right. far short. And Theon mentions that they, on top of all of these named people that they well they don't actually name them but the people that i just named they've taken also a hundred knights and a dozen lords captive so big haul in the captive department but cat then reminds them the war is not over that the head of the snake might be gone but three-fourths of the body is still wrapped around river run so yeah um, like we were talking earlier if there's fifteen thousand in jamie's total army based on Brendan Blackfish Tully's estimation, then that means that they brought about 4,000 men on this excursion here? That seems <laughs> way too many for this. Right. I don't know if my math is right. <laughs> I don't always trust yeah. my math, but... <laughs> I think I think one of the things you might do if you were uh, Brendan Tully is you might slowly increase the severity of these... Uh, uh, raids to see what the response is so that you can sort of make a prediction of what he was if we send 300 what would the response be you know right i think he'd send 4,000 after us you know and yeah uh it seems to be what happened brendan tully was given 300 men mm-hmm. and based on cat saying three-fourths of the army is still around river run that would leave a quarter of the army here having been destroyed which would be just yeah. under 4,000 ish troops which seems like a lot the, the one thing i would say here is i mean if they want to alleviate the siege at river run which i'm pretty sure they do they've got time i mean assuming that their plan has worked which we know it has right. then tywin is a month away yeah i mean at least two or three weeks away right you know and that's uh you you've got time to pick this army off. You know you could you could do the same trick again and again, basically. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Work this and, time. And, let's keep trying it. You got nobody yeah. left over there. <laughs> yeah. And now you've got at least a hundred more horses than you had. You know, yeah. steal their armor, steal their swords. You know. Yeah. All right. Background. 
All right, so background was a little tricky this chapter. And um, since we've talked about the green fork plenty, we just had a battle on it. And we've talked about the red fork uh, a lot because River Run is, uh, sits on the red fork. We haven't talked much about the blue fork of the trident. So since this battle takes place not that far from the town of Fairmarket, I thought I'd talk about a battle that once took place in this area that featured the Blue Fort. So back before Aegon's conquering, the Riverlands were ruled for centuries by the Storm Kings of House Durandon. However, Harwin Hor, aka Harwin Hardhand, King of the Iron Islands, realized that the Riverlands were weakly held by House Durandon and planned an invasion of the area to overthrow the Storm King's rule. The Ironborn landed 100 longships south of Seaguard and then carried those ships to the Blue Fork. Heron's Ironborn defeated first Sir Samuel Rivers and then Lady Agnes Blackwood. His defeat of the Blackwoods was aided by Lady Agnes's rival, Lord Lothar Bracken, and this ended the Rivermen's resistance to the Ironborn. However, King Eric Durandon marched from the Stormlands with a huge host. Many of the river lords, including the Brackens, the Charltons, the Goodbrooks, the Pages, and the Viprins, allied with Harwin Hoare, hoping for an independent Riverlands. So King Eric's Stormlanders were therefore harassed and denied supplies as they marched north. Harwin and Eric met at Fairmarket on the Blue Fork, and Eric had one and a half times as many Stormlanders as Harwin had Ironborn and Rivermen. But the Stormlanders were ill-supplied and tired from the long march and their harried supply lines. Despite being outnumbered, the longships of the Ironborn allowed them to seize the river crossing, and ultimately it was a shattering defeat for the Durandans, who lost half their men. Two of Eric's brothers fell in the fighting, although Eric was able to escape. Unfortunately, things did not go as the rivermen had hoped after the victory. Rather than giving the rivermen the independence they had wanted and fought for, Harwin Hoare claimed the Riverlands for himself, making him the first king of the isles and the rivers. There you go. Well, thanks. Certainly. It's, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting geographically how the river runs almost all the way across the, the continent. It starts very close to the west coast, yeah. but, but flows the other way, flows to the east coast. Yeah. And so um, that's why the Iron Islanders did what they did. They, they, right. they shipped up on the west coast and carried their boats to the river because it yeah. wasn't very far. Easier than sail, trying to go around the continent and sail up the river. Right. <laughs> yep. So, comparison with the television show, um, we begin to realise that the budget for season one of Game of Thrones was not as vast as it became. Because <laughs> for the second chapter in a row, they dodged the battle entirely. Uh, last time they did it by but this time Rob get knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> this time they simply announced, "Oh, we caught Jamie Lannister." <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> nothing else. It was like, "Yeah, we caught Jamie Lannister," oh. which I think it, it it segued in because because if you remember the way the previous chapter ended, it was Tywin was saying, "Where are, where is Rob?" and he said, "Eighteen thousand men," kind of thing. Yeah, and so it then sort of segued to the sort of celebration that they caught Jamie. Okay. So it kind of made a certain amount of sense, but uh, but yes, a much much cheaper way to do a battle. Than, yeah, uh, I guess so. Just say that it having happened. Having a bunch of extras. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Penetrate corner. I just, <laughs> I did not know Cat was so tall, and I don't believe that she is. There's a line where Cat says, 
and wondered when her son had grown so big, fifteen and near as tall as she was. And I don't know that Cat is all that tall. Now, my son was five foot two in 10th grade at the start of 10th grade, and that would not be considered very tall for a, a about a 15 year old boy. Um, but and he was smaller than Stacy. But I would not have said, when did he get so big and multiple times refer to him as the tall knight. <laughs> so <laughs> now Ethan did grow half a foot in 10th grade. But uh, in this case, I just don't know um, how he could how she could think of him as so tall. I guess from her perspective, he was a little boy. And that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Through a mother's eyes, he's looking awfully yes. tall these days. Yeah, I, but but yeah, you've got a point. You got a point. Again, we do have reasons to question her math. Maybe it also goes <laughs> to sort of like he's twenty-seven hands high. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. That's that's reasonable. I didn't find anything on this one. I got to say, I thought it was uh, partly partly this whole poetry thing. It was poetic. It wasn't specific. I need specifics to haul them up of the pedantry. It was. If you say yes, there were birds. It was very poetic. Things, I'm like, yeah, okay, there were birds. I, I, I'd love to take the next piece for you, McKelly, but it's written in your impenetrable code, <laughs> so I don't know what it's all about. In news and notes, you mean? <laughs> well, yeah. uh, I, I had nothing for news and notes, so I thought I'd mention, because I'd mentioned it before, my nephew's show, All Gas, No Breaks, his... Um, his internet show was nominated for a streamy, which is basically like uh, streaming YouTube television type, YouTube streaming stuff uh, like an Emmy for for such things. Wow! So congratulations. Yes. yes. Every time you talk about him, I can be, become just slightly more envious and peevish. <laughs> I realized <laughs> I didn't even say his name last time. It's Andrew Callahan. Andrew Callahan. All gas, no breaks. Check it out if you're interested. Nominated for a streamy. We had no personal uh, news and notes to discuss, so I thought I would mention that. Well, that, that, that's a good one. Um, so in conclusion, so Rob has once again pulled one over on the Lannisters. Well, it's kind of the same trick. I mean, he's, he's pulling right. one yeah, over it's on the, the Lannisters part last two time of the same was trick. March, yeah. Yeah, marching 15,000 men to their death. Oh, what a trick I pulled on the Lannisters. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. This was the trick side of it. So, yes, yeah, he, um, you know, he outsmarted them, no doubt. And again, I wonder if it's just beginner's luck, or maybe it's um, great northern minds. I don't know. Minus uh, Roose Bolton, because we disagreed with Roose Bolton's plan to uh, get into a battle instead of just uh, uh, keeping the uh, Lannister army moving. I'm in Camp Bolton here. I think he followed the instructions to the letter. The the instructions were stupid. Okay. <laughs> You're not blaming it on Roos. You're blaming it on uh, the original instructions he oh, was Rob, given. basically. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what it should have been 2,000 men, each of them carrying a scarecrow. So that to, <laughs> it looked like 4,000 men. <laughs> right. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, good plan. That would have worked much better. But they've yeah. they've got the commander of uh, of this Lannister army here, Jamie. But the siege is still ongoing at River Run. So, will Rob be able to keep yeah. the magic touch going against uh, the siege? I guess we'll find out. Or, or does he turn his back on his uh, on his grandfather? Right. Yeah. 
Yes, that would be because, the other option. Because you could now go somewhere else and retrench and say, hey, you know, let's now send some letters and see if we can uh, exchange for it. Because that's all they really want. Yeah, they just I want mean, their people back. The, the, yeah. They want their people back, yeah. So. yeah. But keep in, we, we have to keep in mind that they've the Lannister army has had to split their forces around River Run in order to carry out this siege. And will that play into the advantage of uh, the Rob's Northern Army? So yeah, certainly if if they want to, River Run's there for them to retake. I think. I mean, that's that would be the natural next step, especially with Catelyn in the in the force, because she's going to be like, you know what? I would kind of like it if you'd rescue my dad. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and actually, if you think about it, where is Edmure Tully? He is presumably yeah. captive in this force somewhere. Yes. Right. I yeah. would imagine, unless they dragged him back off into the Westerlands. In some, somehow. Good point. We don't know yet. And as we said, I mean, it feels like the scales have been significantly tipped back towards a balance. Um, yeah. The war I mean, started over t- Tyrion, uh, and now Jamie is a much bigger prize than Tyrion ever was. Yes, right. Because there are, there are Lannisters who care about him. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, Jamie's not the heir to Casterly Rock because he's a member of the Kingsguard, so that's not on the table. But he is. The pride of the lions, if you will. Yeah, well, well done. <laughs> you you the see what I did? rubbed off. I see. I do. I do. <laughs> you, you didn't need to explain it. I saw what you did. <laughs> yeah, the way I was motioning with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> it was when you held up that sign that said "Wait for this." <laughs> <laughs> but there's no way they'd hurt Ned of the girls with Jamie in custody, right? Right. Right, that's the one thing you've done is <laughs> that's the one thing you've done is you've guaranteed their safety at least until such point as you can negotiate. You know, they, right. You need to spread this news far and wide. We've got Jamie Lannister. Yes, whatever you were thinking of doing with our family, keep in mind we now have the Kingslayer. Yeah. And yeah. the other three Lannister captives aren't anything to scoff about. You know, no, they're... absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, funnily enough, you brought that up in the notes, and I didn't really notice it. But yeah, they're they're significant scouts. You know, they are significant captives. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's the thing. See, I was just thinking, Jamie versus Ned. It's Jamie is not a big enough bargaining chip to get them all back. But right. this whole group is. Yeah, uh, maybe you know that it's a, it's definitely evened things up a good bit getting. All these Lannisters yeah. hauled in here. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we're done. Yeah. Um, as always, so. you can reach us at ghosts.harrenhall at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at ghostsharrenhall. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you like what we're doing, please go out and leave us a rate and review. That would really help us out. If you don't have time to leave us a review, we understand, although we appreciate it if you did, of course. But if you wouldn't mind giving us five stars, that would be fantastic. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. It's Mac. Uh, We blathered on a little too long at the beginning of this episode, so if you have any interest in listening to Simon and I go on and on, uh, you can do so after the music ends. Oh, that's not true, actually. 
I, I, I know our fans like our boating stories. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I actually went wakeboarding at the weekend. Wow, this past weekend. I know. Cool. Because it was very warm on Saturday. Before. It was, yes. I was on the golf so course. I, I, was, uh, I, I was very warm as well. Oh, my... Our fans are going to particularly love a boating golfing story. That's going to really, <laughs> that's going to get them going. Yeah, but, uh, I, I actually only did one run and I popped up first time and, and went until I could do no more. And then I let go. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're like a pro. And now, so now that, that's now four days ago, my arms are still throbbing <laughs> because because basically, I mean, you're towing a speedboat. I mean, it's towing you, but it's right. the same idea. Yeah, you know? yeah. there's still and the same amount of force being applied. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, and when you start wakeboarding, have you ever done it? No, never. So you sit in the water with your feet pointing to the boat with this big board on it. Yeah. So that first few seconds, you are displacing an awful lot of water. Sure. Yeah, and it just goes. I really want to pull you out of what your shoes. Pulls like, your want to pull your arms out of their sockets. Exactly. <laughs> and so that just that first few seconds is uh, it gets you. Uh huh. But it was very nice. It was, it was fun. 